Hello, and welcome to the Milestone Pursuit podcast. It is Friday, the 7th of January. It's gloomy through the forest. I'm jogging along. But today we've got something a little bit different. I've got a bit of a new recording tech. See if you can spot them on a, a bit of a laggard when it comes to these things. Work to be done on that. But today we've got a conversation about consistency with Josh Griffiths, who is indeed Mr. Consistent Personified, or is Consistency Personified rather, and he is Mr. Consistent. And we'll talk a little bit about that early in the recording, but he's been super consistent in the five years that we've known Josh as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathoners and this chat this conversation about consistency builds nicely on the recovery ramble that we published last week where I talk about how to create sustainable goals or set goals that you can sustain and I guess I could have used consistency instead of sustainability and I also spoke in that recording about how I used to get frustrated and cynical about New Year's resolutions and people setting things that they wouldn't achieve in my youth. I was particularly cynical about all of that. And of course I realise now that that cynicism was based on the fact that I, I value consistency. I value trying to move forward against your goals with patience and a plan that is consistent over time. Not to say it's not adaptable, but it's consistent. And I was reminded of that this week because a really good friend of mine, who will remain nameless, contacted me about his goals for the year and told, told me, told a group of us actually, that he was planning on competing in a sprint, sorry, an Olympic triathlon for the first time this year he hasn't done any endurance sport I don't think since we ran the New York Marathon together in 2007 and in that that was at the early stage of my marathon running career I ran really well that day I ran 3.07 and that gave me some hope that I might actually be able to be quite good at this marathon running lark and that was the one race that I really remember thinking okay I can, I can take this on. But he finished, he got through halfway before me and finished in 3.50 something with a big wobble on the finish line. Because that's how he rolls. He goes hard at stuff. And so therefore it would be no surprise when he's thinking about this goal he's gone right so my first race got two lined up one in July one in March my first race isn't far away I better get training three disciplines to cover and so I better do two training sessions before breakfast that's literally what he said 
Hmm, from where? From what base? No base at all. Okay. So we spoke a little bit about goals. What do you want to achieve? Well, of course I want to win them. That's his nature. That's how he rolls. Okay. Well, that might be possible for the second one, but the third, first one, perhaps that might be about completion and learning. But all right, okay. So what do I need to do for that? Not do two training sessions a day off no base in the first week of January. Try and create something a little bit more sustainable. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, great. So I'll, I'll pull it back then. All right, cool. But then sit in. That's not how you roll, is it? You're in or you're out. And so I wished him good luck and just pointed out the incongruence with his values. They're taking it easy and what might happen if he goes too hard. I'm watching with interest. Anyway, that's a boring old story. Let's get into the main thing. A conversation with Josh about consistency. So the next voice you're gonna hear is me. In my study stroke spare bedroom. I'll be back again at the end to wrap it all up. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, so in the last podcast that I recorded, I talked a lot about goals and in particular I talked about how to make goals sustainable. And that was really driven by this idea that at the beginning of the year everyone gets into a goal setting mindset, but often struggle with delivering against those goals and by Often, often what we see is by the end of January, things um, get hard for people. It gets hard to maintain progress against your goals. You lose interest against it. Things change pretty quickly. And it's hard then to move towards your goal as, as, you, as you develop through the year. And I talk about sustainability, but actually I could use a different word, which is consistency. And approaching your goals with consistency and and managing yourself consistently is an important part of being able to deliver against whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And consistency is about acting, behaving, or achieving the same thing in the same way over time. And it might sound a little boring because it's about doing the same thing, but actually sometimes it's how we produce results. And it's strongly related to authenticity, which is where we present ourselves as truly who we are, and we do that on a consistent basis. So Consistency and authenticity work really nicely. And today I've got Josh Griffiths with me. So Josh is obviously an elite marathon runner, has represented Great Britain and Wales over the marathon distance over the course of the last five years. And we're going to talk a little bit about his consistency today because he is actually Mr. Consistent. So if we look back at Josh's performances over time, I'm going to read out all of the last, all of your marathons, Josh, the nine of them. Back to London in 2017, so 2.14.49 in London 2017, which qualified you for the World Championships that year, again in London, where you ran just over 2.20. 2018, you were you ran in the Commonwealth Games in the, in the heat and humidity of the Gold Coast in Australia, ran 2.37.10, which is the one anomaly, really. Came back and ran Dublin in 2.16.09 in the end of 2018. 
And in 2019, he moved on to 2.14.25 in London, 2.15.20 in Toronto. And then 2020, which is obviously the big pandemic year, you ran your best, which was 2.13.11 in the London Elite Marathon in the October. And backed that up in 2021 with 2.15.08 at the Kew Gardens Olympic Trials and 2.13.39 at London in the autumn. So that's nine marathons in five years. With those two exceptions, or the one exception, the Gold Coast and then the World Championships, both championship races, which are traditionally slower and more difficult to manage, you've run those nine marathons, all or seven of those nine, in between 2.13 and 2.16, so very consistent. And in that five years, your ranking, your British ranking has been, uh, let's start, 2017 fifth, 2018 second, 2019 eighth, 2020 third, 2021 sixth so you've been ranked in the top 10 for each of the last five years and i don't know if you know this but you're the only person that has appeared in the top 10 across the last five years i didn't know that yeah that's an interesting (laughs) start yeah yeah so you may not be the best as it stands right now but you're obviously in the top 10 well established in the top 10 but you could argue very easily that you're the most consistent across that period of time And I've spoken about this with you before, and I think it's amazing how consistent you are. And you don't tend to suffer from injuries. You don't get ill. You you pass through each each training block really well. So my first question to you is, why do you think you are so consistent? Yeah, it's interesting. And I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I mean, I could certainly go back to when I was younger. I definitely wasn't this consistent. Lots of my results were very up and down I was racing across multiple disciplines and distances like one week I would be doing a cross-country race the next week I'd be racing indoors and then I'd be trying to do a 10k road race and none of the results were that impressive and a couple of them were pretty disappointing uh, for the amount of effort I felt like I was putting in so I think I needed to step back and take a look at what I really wanted to focus on and I made the decision that that was going to be on the road. So now I tend to focus more on marathon, half marathon, 10K, and I'll drop into a few 5Ks. But like I like to plan every block well in advance and then kind of have targets, um, small targets in those blocks to help me towards the main goal. And everything's, I feel, a lot more structured and thought out than it used to be, which was, again, my fault because I wanted to do all of the races not understanding fully the impact some of them would have on fatigue and just the specificity in training. I can't train specifically for a cross-country in an indoor race at the same time. So that was a key learning for you quite early on in your career, that gunning for everything all at once was going to lead to lower levels of performance than you'd ideally settle for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I made a lot of these mistakes when I was in university and I was getting pulled into some of the cross-country races, then they wanted me to race indoors at the uh, British University Indoor Championships, which were things I also really wanted to do. I mean, nobody made these decisions but myself. But um, I almost needed to make some of these errors to get to the stage where I am now. Otherwise, I would be making those errors now or trying to race all these different races at once, you know. I feel like I'm at quite a good level now. I could go to a lot of races and perform well, but if I race too much, I know that my training would drop and then I would lose that consistency, which is important to me and is which is what has helped me get to where I am today. 
Yeah, and that's that's interesting that you talk about it like that. So you you recognise the consistency is important to you in your and your development and how you progress as an athlete. So is it something that you consciously think about? Is that how do I maintain consistency? And therefore, is it something you really you'd say you value? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I like to to plan things and I like to have a, a goal in mind when I train. Um, I really enjoy getting out and just ticking the boxes, really. Not every session has to be really hard or really key. You're just, you know, getting the run done when it's raining and cold like it is, you know, in the winter. You know, you can take a lot of satisfaction from that. And, and you know, those runs add up over time. You might think if you miss one here or you miss one there because it's cold or, you know, you don't really feel like, oh, there's football on in half an hour, then it doesn't really matter. But if you let those little things creep in, you know, you lose that consistency. And then it shows in a race where maybe you run only a little bit slower than you would have otherwise. But that could be the difference between a qualifying time, a personal best, you know, getting a good for age or something like that. So... Yeah, I'd like to go into races now and I've done all I can to perform well on the day. And that consistency applies through your training as well, obviously. So we, we can talk about your race numbers as we've done, but you also are rigorous in the way that you put together your weekly schedules and the mileage that you like to deliver at certain points across the year. Yeah, so, um, you know, this year and last year I've run over for, uh 2020 and 2021 then I've run over 5,000 miles in both years uh, there's about a 100 mile differential around a little bit more in 2020 just because there was less races so I tapered a little bit less I think but you know I don't set out at the start of the year aiming to run that mileage it just kind of happens through the consistency and you know when you total it up at the end of the year that's just what it happened to come to but yeah you know every single week and every single run and session I like to think has a purpose Some sometimes the purpose is just to take over and recover sometimes it's to give me some headspace after a day in front of the computer or something but yeah all the runs you know they, they do mean something um, and yeah I find that when it comes to race day you know it's all banked and it all helps. That idea that every run has a purpose is really interesting because a lot of people enter their running and go, I'm just plodding today. I'm just getting round. I'm not really enjoying it. It's a bit tough and motivation can slip. But for you, it's every run is adding up to something that's going to layer up in the future to something significant, whether that's a fast time, a championship qualifier or whatever it is. And you're keeping your mind focused on the long term, but also thinking, what do I need to do tomorrow to be able to get there? Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, yesterday I did a I did a long run and then this morning I just did an easy five miles and that five miles might seem pointless compared to yesterday's 25, which was at a much faster pace. But after this morning's run, I know I feel a lot better this afternoon and I've got a track session tomorrow, which I know I'll be better for having moved my legs, got the blood flowing and it just keeps me in the rhythm of getting out the door. And then it's more of a a mental thing as well, you know, going out when it's raining or it's really windy, snowy, icy, it just builds up a little bit of mental toughness, which you can draw back on when things get tough in other periods, you know, in racing. But then you can also draw on periods in life as well where things get tough and you think, you know, you're quite used to that adversity in different ways. 
Yeah, which is very interesting because that that sense of that you continue with a habit, you continue to understand the importance of each individual run. So you're building up from each thing is building on the next thing or the previous thing and it's all going in the right direction. But creating that habit is important, but also teaches you, like you say, to be in a position where you can cope with things that are thrown at you because you know you've done it before, right? So you keep moving through the ice, through the snow, through the wind. Well, I've done that before, so I I've done that in training. So if it's if I get adverse conditions in a race, I can cope with that. Yeah, for sure. You know, training in the UK in the winter is not easy. And if you always wanted to do your sessions in perfect conditions, then you may not train all week. So, and you know, if you turn up to Big Half, for example, on a really windy day, you're not going to not race because it's windy. So, you know, you shouldn't not do a workout because it's windy. You need to get used to some of these challenges and you'll be so much more prepared and rounded when it comes to race day or whatever you're training for. It'll just help because you know you've done this before. So as you plan, so you talk about the fact you plan your year and you plan goals and or, and you get yourself in a mindset where you know what it is you want to achieve. How, how do you actually do that? What's your process? So I don't plan necessarily year on year. It's more like a block on block. So uh, normally I'll do two marathons in a year so let's say I've just run London Marathon in April and now I'm looking towards the autumn so my first the first thing I would do is try to identify what marathon I'd be likely to do in the autumn or at least have like a date range so I've got a couple of options Um, and then I kind of work backwards from that so I know that maybe between three and six weeks before I'd like to do a half marathon race um, you know, where I could either push for a personal best or maybe just run it a, a touch faster than marathon pace as more of a workout. Um, before that, I would like to be in a, a good 10K shape or maybe even 10 mile. I've done that before as well. And then before that, we'll be focusing a bit more on speed, just getting my legs turning a little bit quicker after the marathon I've just done. So I might dip into a couple of 5Ks or 10Ks on the road. So everything is going up in this nice upward trajectory towards the marathon. I'm not coming out of the marathon, going into a half, then down to a 5K, then doing a mountain race, then coming back to a half on the road. Like It's a lot more thought out than it used to be, which is some of the mistakes I was talking about in the past that I really mm. made, just trying to do everything. Mm. So you, aim, you, then, you pick a race. Um, at that point, you pick a... a a time you want to try and achieve or a performance level you want to meet or do you manage that on an ongoing basis and think right what sort of shape am I going to get myself into nearer the time and figure it out from there yeah so I guess I'd have a long-term plan for each marathon block but I would have an even bigger uh, long-term plan over the top of that as well so for example in at the beginning of 2021 I knew the qualifying windows opened for the 2022 European Championships and Commonwealth Games. So I knew that I had to run under 214.30 and 215.30 respectively to qualify for each of those. So my first objective was to qualify for those um, races. So in March 2021, I ran the Commonwealth Games qualifying time in Kew Gardens. Um, but I still wanted to make that qualifying time stronger and I also haven't yet achieved the European Championship qualifying time so that led me to 
uh, want to run another fast time in the autumn. Mm -hmm. As it turns out that year, London was in the autumn, so it was an easy decision to make anyway. There I ticked off another Commonwealth Games qualifying time and achieved the European Championship time. So now going into spring of 2022, I have a little bit more freedom as to which race I want to choose. Um, I don't necessarily have to go for a fast time, even though I probably will, because uh, who doesn't like running fast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quite. And that's in your nature as well to try and improve, right? So you want to try and try and run as fast as you can and find find a race and the conditions that are going to suit that. Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, you can relate back to to some people. You know, they look at good for age qualifying time windows, and you know the marathon they might choose to do will depend on whether or not they want to qualify for the next London. Maybe like Snowden Marathon wouldn't be appropriate if you're chasing a fast time to qualify Mm. for a good for age place, for example. Yeah. So then it's about picking the things that are going to help you deliver your longer term aims, which is to be competitive internationally at the sport. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, and then in some of the other races, I look to gain good experience that will help me maybe in those championship races. So try and get, you know, a few fast 10K races in or race, you know, abroad where I'm in a different environment, different kind of athletes to race against the course I've never done before because then when I, you know, race in one of these championships, which is going to be against completely different athletes, completely different course, different temperature, all those kinds of things, I have a bit more experience in the bank to help me uh, on that day. Mm. When I talk a lot about goals and when I presented the idea of sustainable goals in, in the last podcast, I talked about a few things that actually help people or can help people create sustainable goals. And there's things like smart goals. So having goals that are specific, measurable, ambitious, but realistic and time bound. They're the sort of management techniques that people use. And that's in running. That's a really simple procedure or a simple thing to put in place, which is to say, right. So my goal is very specific. I want to run a fast marathon. I uh, can measure that because it's, you know, obviously we can measure time. Is that I'm being ambitious because I want to qualify for championships and or run at my best it's realistic because I'm around those levels and there's obviously time specifics to it but actually there's more to it than that and that for me you know really getting to your goals and the delivery of them there's things that underpin it so one of those things is doing things that are true to your values and who you are another of those things is why the goal is important to you in the first place and why what you're trying to achieve is is so important to you and important enough that you'll make the appropriate compromises in the rest of your life to deliver it. And then the third one is to review your progress along the way. So the the counter to those is when people set themselves objectives and this happens in business a lot. So people will set, set objectives for the year that don't really mirror their values. They don't understand why they're important to them individually and they don't review progress along the way. Then at the end of the year, they're surprised that, or their bosses are usually a surprise why they haven't delivered their objectives. And so for you, you know, delving into that a little bit, I know running is, is obviously part of your life and has, has always been, well, since you stopped playing football, when you realised you weren't going to play for Arsenal, but you know, running has been a big part of your life and continues to be what, why is this so important to you? Do you ever think about that? It's not something I think about that much. I think, not just running, I just really enjoy exercising the feeling I get after doing it. Like, even if I go for a bike ride, I'm always, I I don't enjoy cycling, but when I finished, you just kind of get a little buzz and release of endorphins that like, 
you just feel good that you've done something rather than sit in front of a PlayStation or TV or or do something else. So I just really enjoy like being outdoors and and the feeling that exercise gives you. And I just feel like it teaches you a lot of good lessons for life as well. Like so yeah, I've always been just an, an outdoorsy person, I think. And and yeah, then the running goals that I set, they really excite me and motivate me. So it's not difficult for me to get out of the door every day because I know that the goal I'm chasing is really exciting and it's something that at the end of the day I really want to do. Like if I didn't enjoy running, it wouldn't be as easy to get out the door and I wouldn't be in the position I am now. Yeah. Because I would have missed some of these sessions and the consistency would have dropped off. So there's a good chance that even without those goals, and even if you weren't a two thirteen marathoner, you would still be exercising regularly because you enjoy the process of exercising. So that's that's the first part of it, isn't it, really? Being able to get out every day because it's something you enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I just really enjoy, you know, it doesn't even have to be outside. You could just do a gym session or on the rower, cross trainer, whatever. I just enjoy the the kind of release of endorphins and the feeling that exercise gives you. Mm. And it's exercise plus being outdoors. Yeah, I mean, that's an added bonus. Obviously, the fresh air things like that i don't live in a busy city so i don't get so stressed out with the traffic and stuff but um yeah you know the weather isn't always nice but it you still you still enjoy it when you're doing it i think sometimes the hardest things to get out the door mm. and when you're out it's actually not that bad and you quite enjoy it yeah and then obviously the goals they excite you so that, and, and is that about the times or is that about championship and running for your country it's both really um you know there's lots of goals i want to achieve lots of things i haven't yet achieved and things that i have achieved but want to achieve again so going to championships competing internationally going to different countries like running's taken me around the world and i would never have been to all these different places had i not been running so i know it's given me great opportunity and i know that i want to keep taking those opportunities for as long as i can because a running career obviously doesn't last forever and that's the really interesting thing, thing for me in this is that your consistency over time, both in your training and your racing, enables you to have those, and I'd describe them as adventures. It, obviously, it's, it's sport and it's competition and it's important when you're representing your country in particular, but you're also experiencing things that other people don't always experience or that you've never experienced before. So it's a real sense of adventure that's coming from running. So, you know, you look at where you've run. You obviously run London a few times, but being able to run in Toronto to the Gold Coast, two completely different environments at different times, and hopefully again at different um, championship events, gives you opportunity to just experience new stuff. Yeah, of course, you know, running's opened so many doors for me, which never would have. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be speaking to you today had I not Mm. been training so much. And I look at the path maybe my life would have taken, and it certainly wouldn't be as exciting or interesting. Maybe I'd have gone on to do different things, but... I wouldn't have raced, like you say, in Australia, Canada, Czech Republic, Germany, France, Spain, gone to training camps, trained with Mo Farah, went to a world championship. You know, it's opened so many doors and all of those experiences motivate me continually to try and do more of those things in the future. Um, because, yeah, the experiences that are amazing. Yeah. So would you would you then say that the, the consistency is important because you enjoy 
what you get out of running so much so without that consistency you you wouldn't get get that and with others when i said at the beginning you've you know you're the only one who's been in the top 10 over the course of the past five years there's lots of athletes who've been in there come out again presumably got injured or gone on to do different things and they're not getting the same sort of experiences that you value and that's not to say they're not doing things that they value but you value the experiences that you're having and so consistency is a really important part of that yeah definitely i mean i know the you know the consistency for me has been really important like if i had a year out injured or something then that would obviously affect me mentally i just wouldn't be enjoying things so much and you know you sacrifice a lot to get to the position you're in and running and then if you have to miss a year which can sometimes be through no fault of your own obviously it's just bad luck some people get injured but um you know touch wood i'm quite lucky but you know, I think you've also got to try and help yourself to to be lucky in a way by being sensible with the training you set, uh, allowing yourself to recover, you know, building gradually over time. You know, I didn't try to go <clears throat> from a 214 marathon runner to a 208 marathon runner. I had to build it gradually. You know, I don't go from 100 miles a week up to 200 miles a week. It's, you know, 100, 110, and then I might drop back to 105 it's yeah. just being a little bit sensible with those things and you know knowing if, if you have a little bit of a bad leg don't just run through it you know take a couple of days off even if it's one step back you can then start taking more steps forward rather than you know those couple of days having to turn into a couple of weeks or a couple of months because you've let the problem snowball and you know, much yeah worse. i find myself saying that to people a lot now which is that you might want to you might not want to rest for a week now but actually your recovery will be quicker if you do and that's or or even you know come back with run walk or come back with the 20 minute easy run and then build into a 30 minute easy run and just take your time because you'll be able to come back and you'll recover more quickly than if you go hard now and then or straight away and then obviously have a relapse in in a few weeks a month or whatever yeah absolutely you know i I coach some people as well and it, it's a lot of the same sort of messages you have to you have to give to people and sometimes it's hard to get across but you know I can you know we can offer that advice um, with with genuine um, sentiment because we would do the same thing mm. ourselves and we know from experience that you know that is actually the best thing even if it's not what you want to do. You have to be a little bit flexible within the plan as well, because, you know, it's not everything is going to go perfectly, but it's how you adapt to some of those things and then make the best of the new situation rather than just trying to stick to a concrete plan and run through anything. And then- yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, that value of consistency, I think comes through really powerfully with you. And I, and I think there's that if, if I've been coached by you, I would, ex- I would expect you to, be like that as well so favoring um not conservatism but i guess patience actually over time rather than aggression over time which you sometimes you see with others but there is also a place for going hard isn't there and you know that you run, you have to run hard sometimes as well and put things at risk to be able to perform at the level that you do yeah absolutely i mean i've run through some horrendous pains and things like that and i definitely I'm more harsh to myself than I am to anybody else. Like I would put myself through some things I would never suggest to other people to do um, or run through, you know, a bad shin, which hurts so bad. You can barely put your foot down, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't always think it's worth it. And I don't, 
I would never recommend anybody else do that. But I think, you know, when you're quite hard mentally and you just do not want to give up no matter what, you'll, you'll try some of these things. So on injuries, you, took, you spoke a little bit about that before. So you, you haven't had a significant injury in the five years since you started marathon running and in the time that I've known you. So how do you manage that? Yeah, it's difficult. You know, the, the mileage is obviously really high and I don't live anywhere where there's loads of trails. So 99% of my weekly mileage is on the road. Um, sometimes I'll do a track session and that's pretty much as soft as it gets when it's winter. Um, in the summer, I tend to do a little bit of running on grass, but I, again, I don't have massive parks around me. It's more like farmers fields which aren't really suitable for running so um, I'm kind of restricted to rugby or cricket pitches which you know I'm not going to be knocking out 20 miles on <laughs> no. um, so yeah I think you know maybe I would if I'd had some of these injury problems I would definitely be looking to reduce some of that and and tweak um, what I want to do to suit what I need to do um, but yeah I think you know there's really basic things you can do, like just make sure you sleep, eat and hydrate well. Uh, you know, that's just general to make you feel good as well. Then, you know, I try to do some stretching, foam rolling every now and again. I have ice areas, which is so... I'm a big fan of cold bath, whether you rate them or not, I'm not sure. Even if it's just a psychological benefit, I yeah. know it's not doing any harm. Yeah, well, the same is true of foam rolling and stretching, isn't it? That there's no yeah, scientific evidence either way that that's going to improve things but if it works for you who's to say it's not working yeah definitely I, I know those things aren't really doing any harm um I don't do the foam rolling so much but the stretching and the cold bath for sure I'm a big fan of if things got a little bit worse then I might go for a massage or something like that yeah then I think the uh the key thing is you know I, I'll train really hard but I'll also have like days which are also really easy at the same time like you know, I'll run maybe, you know, three minutes slower than my 10k pace for a run, um, you know, which a lot of people won't be able to relate to because that's so slow, but those runs to be able to keep doing the hard days. So your marathon pace is around about five minute miles, so your 10k pace is four and a half, 440, something like that? Yeah, it's something like 435. Yeah, so then you're running seven and a half to eight minute miles on your easy days. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that range is really important. So we talk about that a lot, that, that lots of people have very tight ranges between their race paces and their easy days and having significant range. It's obviously easier when you're faster because you're still making progress when you're running seven and a half to eight minute miles. But for someone whose race pace is six to seven minute miles, going at nine or 10 minute miles feels like you're not moving at all. So that can be a bit of a challenge for people, but you don't have to be quite as broad in your range, but having range is, is really important to managing your your the the neuromuscular part of your system and not overdoing it yeah absolutely and then you know even mentally as well you know if you're always trying to if you're always worried about the watch and what it's yeah. saying a lot of people have got Strava these days and they don't want to post for slow runs and things like that so they force some of the pace and it has a detrimental effect long term you may not feel bad tomorrow or you may not feel bad in a week but if you keep pushing slightly above that intensity then it's fatigue is slowly going to build up and up and up and then you know it's going to come into your workouts where you're not quite able to hit the split times you want which is going to then lead to racing a little bit below the level you want 
And what about strength work? Do you do you do much strength work? I don't do any gym sessions as such, but I do do some um, just core workouts in my house. Um, so I tend to do like after a run, a little bit of stretching just to loosen up. Um, you know, if I feel a little bit stiff doing a particular movement in a core workout, and then I'll just do some body weight exercises pretty much um a range of things i don't like to focus on one particular area mm. um so you know i might do some calf raises off a step um hamstring stuff off the off a bench or something or sofa um then just a bunch of core exercises and i've got some small weights but anybody looking at them wouldn't call them weight <laughs> no there's a few kettlebells or or um yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting because obviously there's a big community that will say you must do lots of strength work. You must go to the gym a couple of times a week if you're going to make it as a as a high caliber runner. And you're sort of disproving that to an extent. I mean, maybe things change over time as well. So sometimes you do need to do that stuff. Sometimes you don't need to do that stuff. And it's it's often difficult to know when and how. Um, with lots of people I work with, they'll say, you know, should you should I do some strength work? And go, well, do you do any already? And if you don't, then let's ease into some if you do let's add to what you're doing if you, if you think it's appropriate but do you think you're still improving as a runner and do you think you can get more volume in before getting injured and let's see, let's see how that that goes and it's case by case and finding a way of making it work for the individual yeah definitely you know i i know a lot of people do some gym work um and sometimes the purpose isn't necessarily for for running they just like the the feeling they get from doing a good gym session and you know it's it's easier to fit in a gym session in your week, maybe if you run four times a week rather than do 130 miles in a week. So yeah. it's a bit of a balance for time and fatigue as well. Like I have done some gym stuff in the past and I just found that I was a little bit more tired on my workout days and my long run day. And it didn't translate to me to better performance. Um, mm. So I didn't cut it out altogether. I just kind of, altered what I was doing I dropped the weights massively um do well do basically nothing just body weight um and I find that it helps keep me injury free or it doesn't do any harm anyway and yeah it's it's a nice workout short that I can do at home which doesn't fatigue me too much for the next day or anything like that I know some shorter distance athletes maybe over 5k and stuff where a gym program is a lot more important than it is for a marathon power exactly they need that power you need the endurance and you only yeah. you only get running endurance by running yeah. yeah and there's another thing that i'm drawn to in this which is that you you spoke earlier about the buzz you get from running and from aerobic exercise that maybe you don't so much in the gym and also the being outdoors so perhaps and my hypothesis to you would be that because you enjoy running so much and because your body is able to sustain it why would you do anything differently yeah, you know, pr- precisely that. I do enjoy running a lot more than I do the gym sessions. I know there'll be people on the other end of the scale that hate running and really enjoy going to the gym and they, they lift a big weight and they feel, you know, really happy with what they've just done. I think it, it just depends what your goals are, what excites you and what gives you that feeling of enjoyment and, um, you know, feeling of success that you've done something. But for me personally, definitely, I much prefer being outdoors. I much prefer the kind of low intensity, longer aerobic exercise to high intensity anaerobic. I do really enjoy track workouts and stuff like that. But, you know, the majority of my training is 
pretty easy on the intensity scale. It's just a, a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you can only do if you're keeping it easy. So that that works. But I suppose what I'm driving at there is that the person that you are, the things that are important to you, the values that you hold about being outdoors and exercising on a low low kind of stress way those are things that are kind of innate to you that help you be who you are and they help you and you've sort of found a route which is marathon running which which is supported by your value set and the person that you are that makes sense yeah definitely i mean you know you can say like you know training for a marathon is it's a bit like life there's lots of challenges along the way and you have to find ways to overcome different things and you know, if you work really hard, then then you can do something special. And that's true of whatever kind of field you're in, whether it's business or, or sport or anything else. You know, the, the kind of more work you put in, the, the better results are possible. You need a bit of luck along the way, of course. But, you know, I think you can learn a lot of lessons from kind of training for a marathon that you can take into other areas of life as well. But I think the big thing that I'm learning from this conversation is how important running is to you. So if, if, if racing didn't exist and you weren't an international athlete, you, I'd say there's, there's still a high probability given where you live and how you live, you would still be spending lots of time out on the roads because it's so important to you. It's, it's part of who you are. And I would apply that to other things and other parts of life too. So if things are innate to you as an individual, you, you understand who you are, you understand what you're driven by, you understand your value set and you're doing things that are congruent with that, that meet the, that value set, you are more likely to want to put the work in and you're more likely then to be successful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the 2020 was almost a little mini experiment for this, you know, back in the middle of March, everything got cancelled. I had absolutely no races to train for. I knew that my best case would be an Alton Marathon, which at that time was like seven months away, but I didn't take one day off. You know, I, running at that time was what kept me going mentally and it was the one thing that I could do even with no goal to aim for really um it was the one thing that I could control and one thing that really gave me enjoyment each day um which nobody else could impact or anything like that so yeah even with no races um no particular goal in mind um I was still you know the, the one thing I really wanted to do was to go for a run. Yeah. 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 Because it made such a difference to you and from a, from an emotional mental health well-being perspective, as well as obviously a physical fitness one and knowing that races would return probably at some stage that we were never sure how and when and all that sort of stuff, but you knew they would and you wanted to make sure you kept yourself ticking over, but you were doing something that you loved doing. So tick loads yeah. of boxes, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it goes back to my point that, you know, every run has a purpose. You know, the purpose in some of those days was not necessarily to try and run 2.13 in London that October. It was to kind of give me some headspace and just do something that I enjoy while everything was so uncertain. Um, you know, I think you can have loads of purposes to run in. It doesn't always have to be time-focused or position-focused. You know, you can do some things for enjoyment and, you know, personal satisfaction as well. Definitely. One of the things that, you know, when we go back to talking about sustainable goals and people set themselves goals at the beginning of a year, New Year's resolutions, that type of stuff. One of the things I think people can often struggle with is how to create new habits. And that can be hard because sometimes we're setting goals that are 
very challenging to us in the sense that they're very different from what we've done before. Obviously, you're habitual in what you do. You run and you know what you're going to do. You, I'm, I'm guessing you know, you know, well, every day, you know, you're going to go out, you can have your breakfast, you're going to get up and then you're going to go or vice versa. And you know what you're going to do in the evening and you've got it kind of mapped out. But is there anything that you would suggest to people about how habits might form for or how habits are formed for you over time? I think that the hardest bit about creating a habit is actually the first couple of weeks because you go from not doing something or not doing as much of something to doing something new or a lot more of something. And, you know, at the beginning, it's really hard to sustain. It's hard to, you know, think how you're going to gonna get through that. bit. like if you're starting a new job and it's all completely alien to you and you think, how am I ever going to do this? And then after a few weeks, it just becomes something you do it's just you know a lot of people they'll get up on breakfast put the news on i'll get up go for a run i don't really think about it i just do it it's just you know sometimes um i'm i'm very used to training twice a day six times a week i'll train twice in a day morning and evening and on the day where i don't train in the evening i almost feel that in the evening i've had you know i feel a little bit lost i feel like you know it's six o'clock why haven't I gone for a run or and it almost feels like I've had the day off by the next day even though I've run a long run that morning it's I'm so used to doing something that it feels weird not doing it and that certainly didn't used to be the case but you know that's obviously built over a very long period of time but I think whatever the habit is you want to do the most difficult thing is the very first period and then after that, it just becomes a lot more normal than something that you're used to doing. So it becomes, I think where, where people tend to move is from it being a really conscious thing. So initially, this is way back in the day when you were you know, much younger, but initially it was a conscious thing. Right? So I'm going to go training. I'm going to plan. I'm going to make sure I've got my kit. I'm going to really think about it. It's in my diary, whatever it might be. I'm going training. It's Tuesday night. I'm going down to the club to, to the track or whatever. Very consciously thought through. Now you're in a position where you just go, uh, right every morning every evening I go for a run it's just what I do and who I am now some of those times I might run with other people typically you're on your own but there is a real habit that's been created but it takes as you say it takes time to build and you need patience and a, a sense of it being conscious to start with and then it becomes unconscious so for the first few weeks those first difficult few weeks you kind of have to uh, force it a little bit and things like putting your shoes by the door, getting your kit ready the night before, uh, perhaps putting your kit on to go for a walk and then start running when you're out. Those types of things are things that people can do in running, I think, to create those those habits that start to form over a period of time. Yeah, and I think, you know, at the beginning when things are tough, it's it's a bit easier if you have a goal or something to motivate you to to get you out to start creating those habits. And then after a while, you don't necessarily need those goals so much. You kind of do it anyway because because you enjoy them, or you know because of the the sense of feeling that it gives you, or you know you want to be a good role model for somebody else in your family by you know going out to exercise and things like that. So yeah, you know to begin with, it might help to have some sort of incentive to to get you out the door, particularly in the winter when it's a bit more difficult to push yourself out, but after a while it just becomes another thing that you do like going to work and nobody enjoys going to work but now everyone goes to work and nobody thinks about it so yep. 
Yeah. And and that's that actually plays completely back to the idea that I have at the very, very or sort of towards the beginning of our conversation, which is set your goal, but understand why that goal is important to you in the very first place so that it gets you motivated to do it and then review your progress against that goal pretty regularly. So I think, you know, what people tend to be guilty of, and I've definitely been guilty of this in the past and probably still am, is setting ambitious goals and then not taking a step back to go, actually, how am I doing against that? And what do I need to change against my goal so that I can continue to be motivated to to um, deliver it and change my behavior towards delivering it? And I think that's a really important message for people that actually how or sorry, the why of the goal setting is a really important part of the process. So understand why it's so important and then review the progress much more regularly than I think most people do, typically in business as well, at least. You know, most people's objectives get reviewed six monthly, if you're lucky, maybe 12 monthly, if at all. So actually having a sense of regular review, I think is really important. Yeah, and I think in in the running world, it's, it's quite easy to review regularly because often if we're training for, let's say, the London Marathon in April and it's now December, you might do a 10K or half marathon in January and that's going to give us really good information as to whether you're on target, ahead of target, and maybe we can review the the London goal and you know make it a little bit quicker or whether actually we're a little bit behind and we might tweak what we can do in the lead-up to London. You know, Maybe if someone's running really good speed work but they've got no endurance we know we need to tilt the balance a little bit focus a bit more in the long run and drop the speed because you know it's all well and good being super fast but if you can't run more than 10 miles London Marathon is going to be very difficult so yeah certainly in running I think some some races are, are good ways of kind of tracking whether you're on target towards your goal or you know what kind of different things need work and things like that but um, yeah it's definitely important to review yeah. And running is that, I mean, it's a brilliant metaphor for loads of things in life that us runners would talk about until the cows come home. But that is the point is the reviewing, reviewing the progress. And actually, you can argue that the thing that needs to change at the beginning of the year when you set new goals isn't that goal, it is the review. So the thing to do is to keep a record of stuff. You probably keep a quite a tight record of what you do and how you feel throughout the process, but you may well keep less of a record now than you did at the very beginning because you know yourself much better and because everything's become conscious but for someone starting out on a new journey keeping a record of it and reviewing it on a regular basis is probably the one behavior change you need to really work on yeah definitely you know i actually keep detailed logs but that's because i coach myself so i like to be able to reflect on those you know what worked well what didn't work well and kind of be able to refine every single marathon block taking out a couple of things putting in a couple of things but Certainly for everyone, I think, you know, keeping a detail log, you know, one is really nice to write in that you've just done the longest run you've ever done or you've just run, run a personal best. I think that's really satisfying to do. And then two, you can just look back at that. You know, you can look at how far you've come. You can use it as motivation for the future. And particularly around, you know, big goal races. You know, if someone does a marathon, for example, I, I tell them to write down, you know, what they ate the night before, what they ate in the morning, the pace strategy, you know, how did they feel when they take a gel, what was the weather like, so they can reflect on that in future, look back at what worked or what didn't work and adapt slightly, so that every time you're able to improve a little bit. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that that review process is absolutely what that is. And that helps with resilience in the future as well, because what you're then able to do is is assess where you're at with experience, knowing what you've done before to be able to adapt either your plan or your goal, depending on which is more important at that moment in time or which is most pressing and then uh, move on. Because a lot of the time we, we might set a goal and then things change. And we, we might need to change our goal or we need to change the plan to achieve that goal because things have changed. Yeah, certainly. It's just being able to have an awareness of certain things. You know, you don't want to get to the, the big event and not realise that something needed to be changed a couple of months ago, having that constant review process. And maybe if you're a person who doesn't understand, you know, maybe something does need to be changed. That's where, you know, the benefit of having a coach and someone else maybe just a, a third party to kind of look in because often you can look at your own training and be a little bit biased and think everything's going great. Or even the other way, you think you're not doing very well at all, whereas actually a coach will come in and think, actually, no, you're, you've nailed all these workouts and it doesn't matter that all these runs are slower because they're meant to be their recovery runs. So certainly a review a review process with, you know, often another individual, if you're a coached athlete or if you're a coach yourself looking at, you know, the people you coach as training, it's, it's important to kind of help them improve and get them to where they want to go. I think that's exactly right. I think taking that time to review, reflect, helps set the direction of travel for the future as well as obviously analyse what's hap- happened in the past. And that's obviously a key thing that you do. So going into 2022, we're going to get to the end now. We don't need to talk about your goals going forward, but it'll be interesting to see where, they, where you get to at the end of this year with championship races in the mix so you have the qualifying time for the commonwealth games and the european championships there in the summer maybe some you'll be i'm sure you'll be racing before then but hopefully by the end of the year you'll be you'll have you'll have a sixth year in the top 10 of british marathon runners from a male perspective yeah i mean you know it's not one of the the major goals i set out you know i didn't even know last that until we yeah. spoke today but certainly i want to achieve things that would put me in that top 10 so you know i do want to run fast i do want to perform well in the championship this summer and i just want to build on the experiences that i've already had you know i know that if i put the work in and training particularly when it's not very nice outside then it'll get me to good places and eventually it'll all come good sometimes you don't see the, the benefits straight away and you think is this worth it but it definitely is when you finally realize what you've been training for yeah and you have those adventures and you get outdoors and do all the things that are really important to you yeah absolutely like there's a lot of big goals for me this year but there'll also be a lot of just really easy runs where i just go up for enjoyment of a run not every run's going to be pressured on you know i have to do this to run well this summer you know sometimes it'll just be to enjoy for enjoyment and it'll keep me fresh mentally and happy and that'll allow me to train much harder on the harder days well, thank you, Josh. We'll leave. We'll hold it there. Um, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And thanks for your thoughts on this subject of consistency, which is sort of you. <laughs> you are Mr. Mr. Consistent. And we wish you well for the for the rest of 2022. Thanks, Steve. And a big good luck to everyone listening. So there you go. I really enjoyed that conversation with Josh. There's lots of elements to it. A bit of training chat. A bit of running as a metaphor chat just some good chat full stop and I think there's a few things that we can take out of that 
some of them I draw out actually in the conversation but it's worth summarising them now as we get to the end of this the first thing is that every run has a purpose and we can apply that to our own running of course but we can apply that to our pursuit of our other goals that everything you do has a purpose towards the end goal that you have in mind now that doesn't mean literally everything because you need to rest and do other stuff and have a bit of fun but you really need to think about your actions and how they impact upon those goals that you've set and what the purpose of it is every run has its purpose he also talked about how he had big ambitions still has big ambitions but he's building a gradual plan to get there within which every run has its purpose so he builds up bit by bit and I said before that elite runners I think are the best people to talk about goal setting to because and they do it so intuitively as you might be able to tell from the conversation big goal maybe one, two, three even four years ahead but what am I going to do tomorrow to get there break it down into realistic chunks training blocks, individual days whatever whatever you think is appropriate so that's an interesting concept a lovely metaphor that running or metaphor for life that running provides he talks about getting out the door how it's habitual for him now and he spoke about how in the first place it's important to be excited about your goal and so it's easy for him to get out because he's still really excited about competing at elite level and he enjoys the process of running so those two things together the values that he has of enjoying running and being outdoors are really important so what he's doing is congruent with his values but he's also super motivated by the goal and he understands why, why it is important to him as a goal and that is about adventure so we could have taken this a lot further but it's pretty clear to me that for Josh it's all about the running he loves running he loves being outdoors and he loves having adventures those travel adventures going to new places new experiences and he's motivated to continue past his ninth marathon into his sixth year as a marathon runner because he wants more of those experiences and adventures and that's his why which I think is pretty cool because running can be that can be it can be sport, it can be well-being, and it can be adventurousness, 
adventurism. And then the final point, really, to draw out, is the importance of the review process. Now, again, running does this brilliantly. We're constantly reviewing it. We're doing it without thinking about it. We're constantly going, right, how am I doing? Where am I against my objectives? Where am I in my journey? Even in a race, we're thinking, how am I doing it either against time or against other people? So we're constantly reviewing and doing this very naturally. And I thought that there's a really interesting idea that you know, the habit forming process is hard. But if there is one habit you can develop that's going to really help you, it's reviewing. It's keeping a record of how you're performing, of how you're doing, and reviewing accordingly. Perhaps changing your plan, or maybe changing your goal. Both of which are fine, and both of which help you build resilience. So keeping that record, reviewing that record, is how you build resilience. It's much less easy to get knocked off course if you know where you are on the map. So I suppose that's all, all of those things are why I value consistency and why I think it's very important in the context of our running but also in the context of our of our of the setting of sustainable goals so on that note I think you've heard enough I'm going to leave it there thanks very much for joining me and Josh and thanks for getting to the end if indeed you have and I'll be back again very soon for some more take care selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.